MIT's Howard Shrove says we're in cyber hell. We seem to be in this never-ending arms race with the advantage always being to the attacker. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. Shrove is Principal Research Scientist at CSAIL. That's the Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And in an interview, Shrove contends it's possible to re-architect computer systems to make them hack-proof. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let's look at why we're in cyber hell. The battlefield against attackers is asymmetric. Organizations must protect everything. Attackers only need to find that one flaw to succeed. Also, Shrove says, The attackers are very much these days sharing tradecraft. It becomes easier and easier for attackers to actually go and do it without having to do a great deal of creative work on their side. We're playing a catch-up game all the time. You know, the next attack happens, it takes us a long time to figure out how the attack was launched. We almost never figure out who did it. By and large, the economic equation for the attacker is relatively favorable. We're playing a catch-up game, and the technologies we're trying to use to defend systems are essentially reactive rather than proactive kinds of tools. We build things that can recognize an attack that we've already seen once. And that's a good thing, but it's too easy for the attacker to make a variant of that attack that that kind of retrospective signature-based tool won't catch. That was the sense of what I was describing as cyber hell. You know, it might be cyber purgatory, except in purgatory you have some view that you can eventually get out. Whereas the way we're playing the game today, there's no view at all that we'll eventually get out. It's just that we'll just keep going back and forth. But Shrobe says those protecting IT systems may be able to escape the endless purgatory. In a blog he wrote last fall, Shrobe said, We have demonstrated that it is possible to design a modern computer system that attackers can't break into and that can protect our information. The critical question today is not whether we can design safer computer systems, but one of creating the right incentives for systems like these to become the new mainstream of computing. Part of the problem when you really analyze it is that the way we've traditionally implemented system code and system designs has been using programming languages that exposed much too much attack surface. If we try to fix that, then you either make compromises for compatibility or you make some changes that mean that some software that was not well written to begin with but is used frequently will not work anymore. And then the question is, how do we incentivize people to either put in the work to uh, adapt to the new interfaces that are slightly different? And for that matter, probably even more importantly, is what are the incentives for the major computer manufacturers to adopt some of the technical ideas and put them into mainstream products? To be fair, some of that has been happening. If you look at modern Intel family chips, for example, they've put in some new things for memory safety, which I think are a real step forward. Schrobe says the Intel technology mitigates buffer overflow. Buffer overflow is an anomaly where a program while writing data to a buffer overruns the buffer's boundary and overwrites adjacent memory locations. Hackers can exploit buffer overflow by writing into areas known to hold executable code and replacing it with malicious code. Memory protection extension works in conjunction with your language compiler. Basically, the hardware has a couple of extra registers which represent the base and bounds of the buffer you're reading stuff into. It will not let you increment your pointer outside that range. 
buffer overflow attack would now just trap if it ever happened. Memory safety attacks of that ilk are one of the key enablers for remote attackers working through that kind of vector. Shrub says another reason today's systems remain vulnerable is that developers continue to use unsafe programming languages such as the C family of programs that favor functionality over security. C became popular when memory was expensive and we're no longer in that era, but we've inherited a lot of this stuff. What should developers do? We rewrite all of this system code we have that's written in the C programming language or other unsafe languages like that in some more modern language which provides memory safety inherently or other kinds of safety guarantees. Well, that's a huge effort, right? I mean, you're talking about a lot of code now. What would be the incentive that we could provide that would cause anybody to undertake that? Grobe sees several possibilities one being cyber insurance. Because the cyber risk is significant enough, most companies are now starting to try to get insurance against cyber attacks. And the insurance industry historically has been a vehicle for causing technological change, not for inventing the new technology necessarily, but for incentivizing their customers to adopt newer technology because it actually reduces the risk. So that's one vehicle. You could imagine another vehicle where the large consumers of computing technology, particularly those in critical infrastructure sectors, basically form a buying pool and they establish some architectural principles for the things they want to buy. And those principles would include things like the system has to have memory safety, it has to have type safety, it has to have controls over how information flows. All of these are things that we know how to do technically. And we have both hardware and programming languages that can specify these things. But they need to be sort of part of your buying code this, or your building code even. Think of it that way. Schrobe says information technology should emulate the construction industry and create a building code for IT systems. If I put up a building today, the electrical system has to have protection wherever it's necessary. And that's because it's in the building code. Well, it didn't used to be. That was something that was incentivized, I think, primarily through organizations like UL, which are standard setters, but they're not the enforcement agency. But they at least devise a building code, and then it gets adopted and enforced by governments. In some cases, there's consumer power. So if you think of an organization like Consumer Union, which will tell you at least if you're going to buy this product, it's safer than that product or it performs better on some dimension. They don't do this very much in the computing area yet, but they could play that role or somebody else could play that role. But the key enabler for all of that is actually having a well-specified set of architectural principles that would give you some guarantees about cyber safety. I think we know what enough of those are to proceed along those lines. To create a hack-resistant IT system, Shrove says organizations must glean the low-hanging fruit to mitigate one of the most significant threats to cybersecurity, identity compromise. Which is actually today, that's the attacker's first line of attack because it's so easy. Now, this involves stealing people's passwords, stealing people's credentials in one form or another. Now, there are technological fixes to that that are pretty simple. They all involve having multiple factors of authentication. Here at MIT, our core systems, the systems that contain data we really care about, those all have a two-factor authentication scheme. You can turn something which today can work at very large scale into something which is very difficult even to get one individual's credentials. That now means that, you know, the number of people you need to go chasing around looking for people who have entered your system under, you know, stolen credentials, that need goes way down. And it's a commercial product. In fact, there are lots of commercial products like this. It's just a question of to what degree are organizations going to adopt those commercial products.
For years, manufacturers of IT products place functionality before security. But as cyber attacks proliferate, producers of information technology are beginning to recognize the important security plays in marketing and selling their wares. There's evidence that the major manufacturers see security as something they need to attend to. If you look at the operating system and software levels, this has been something the major suppliers have been concerned with for quite a while now. And, you know, I think at one point Microsoft very explicitly said that, you know, the main goal of their next big release was going to be quality which included security issues. They were losing market share because of the unreliability and insecurity in their system. The market does have something to say about this. It moves slowly and it offers somewhat noisy signals, but it is signals that I think eventually have some effect. Schrobe says historically, ideas to improve IT and IT security eventually move into the mainstream. And so that could happen by companies getting acquired, by the ideas simply being picked up. The more that our students who are doing research see ideas about these kinds of techniques that when they then go out and go to work in industry, they bring the ideas with them and they get modified and changed and improved most of the time and then somehow wind up in the mainstream. You don't steer that process. You simply enable it. That's Howard Schrobe. He's Principal Research Scientist at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.